If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Was confirming and affirming the Black nurses who worked here at Seaview, who were the Black angels. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Hi, Miss Virginia Allen. How are you today? I am fine. Thank you so much for giving me your time to do this interview. I really appreciate it. I'm happy that I'm capable of doing it. Thank you. So let's start off by telling our viewers and listeners a little bit about you. Who is Virginia Allen? From my viewpoint, I am a 92-year-old retired nurse who's still active in the community, doing whatever I can in several organizations, one being the National Council of Negro Women. I've been a member since 1968. Can you tell me what inspired you to get into the nursing profession? My Aunt Edna, who was very, very professional, and I admired her as a young girl. And she is the reason why I became a nurse. That's amazing. Because being a nurse myself, it's always someone who inspires us. My mom was my inspiration. Even though she's not a nurse, she worked in the hospital. And I spent a lot of time there. And my daughter attended college and received her BS degree. But she decided to go into nursing also. Wow. So she was a nurse as well. That's amazing. Now, what type of nursing did your daughter do? She was an administrator. Okay. Because she had her BS. But she decided when she moved to Oklahoma with her husband, who was in the service, that um, she wanted to do bedside nursing. Mm -hmm. She didn't have that much experience because she came right out of uh, nursing school and into administration. <laughs> so she started doing bedside nursing. She became a director of nurses. And then her last job was um, a dialysis nurse, mm. which she really enjoyed. 
I think it's so amazing because nowadays nurses want to get out of school and they don't want to be at the bedside. They want to be at administration, but a nurse at heart, you want to be with the patient. That is true. I've enjoyed working directly with patients. Yes, absolutely. What was your most uh, memorable memory of nursing school? Um, I would say taking care of a patient. I'm trying to remember her name now, and it was something very simple. I was assigned to this patient in Goldwater. She was a um, was in um, the iron lung. She had polio. Mm-hmm. She married, had a child, but she evidently had episodes, so she had to be rehospitalized from time to time. I remembered her well because I had a private duty case in the 60s, early 60s. And I was asked if I would please go to Goldwater. And I didn't mind because I was young, I was driving. And she happened to be my patient. The same patient I was assigned to at Goldwater was my private duty patient. And she was so happy to see me And each time she had to be readmitted, she would ask if I would come and take care of her. Mm -hmm. So that was, I would say, was one of my most memorable experiences. I love that. And it it makes me think of the art of nursing. So your first encounter with this patient must have been so special that every time she was hospitalized, she wanted you there. Yes. I love that. And tell us about your journey after nursing school. How did you launch out into the clinical setting? Well, after nursing school, I went to work. I'm trying to remember the sequence. I came back here to Seaview and worked for a year. I felt that since the Department of Hospitals, Seaview Hospital, had given me the opportunity to go to nursing school. I should give something back. Mm. So I stayed here for a year, and I felt that I wanted to um, see what nursing was all about outside of Seaview Hospital, Mm -hmm. which was a tuberculosis sanitarium at the time I was here. And I was fortunate that I did not catch tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Being a young person and being sort of um, carefree, um, at that time I was in my 20s, early 20s. And I'd be out at night late in Manhattan. <laughs> Nobody knows this but you. I'm only telling you, Wendy. And I lived on Staten Island. I didn't live in Brooklyn or the Bronx that you could take a subway and be there in 20 minutes. It was two hours getting home. <laughs> but 
I survived and I'm still here in pretty good health. I love it. So you took care of patients and then you still parted. You still had a I life. I certainly did. I, I had a great <laughs> life. I love that. The nurses here at clubs, uh, like the nurses from Hampton and other nurses, Harlem, Lincoln, they had clubs where they raised money for scholarships so they could support young women who wanted to go into nursing. Mm -hmm. So in order to raise money, they used to have parties. And of course, I'm a party girl, so <laughs> I, was, I was there. But that was a, a good lesson for me. I learned a lot from the nurses that I work with here at Seaview. They treated me as if I was a member of their family, mm. which in a way we were. It was like one big family. And of course, um, all of the nurses knew my aunts. Mm. So I got pretty good treatment. Yeah. So did your aunts also work at Seaview? Oh, yes. And Edna was here for practically 40 years. Wow, that's and, amazing. Yes, and as I told you before, while we were having a, a conversation about her, and Edna was one of the older sisters of my, my mother's sisters. And um, everybody would come to Staten Island where she lived to go to school. Like from Florida, some cousins came go to Hunter, finish their education. There was always somebody in the house. So when my cousin from Pittsburgh came to live with Aunt Edna, I could live here at Seaview in the nurse's residence. So I moved here at that time so that she would have my room. Mm. And my aunt was wonderful. She made a way for many of her relatives mm. to continue their education or come and get a job and work. So, and Edna was marvelous. That's amazing. She laid the foundation for so many family members. Yes, she did. And she took care of her little sister, America's. She always made sure Americas was comfortable. And Americas lived with her until her death. Mm. And after and Edna passed, and Americas went to Pittsburgh to be with her sisters. My mom was still living. And wow. So that was nice. Yeah. And you light up when you talk about your Aunt Edna. Your, oh, your whole yeah. face lights up. So, yeah, that's amazing. She was an amazing woman. Yeah, I love that. Yes. I love, and, and I think about legacy, like you are living, you're her living legacy, essentially. That is true. And I'm proud to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And proud to be able to tell the story of the nurses who were here. Yes, absolutely. Now, my Aunt Americus, who was a Grady graduate nurse, 
worked here as well. And um, not for long, but a short period of time. She was very quiet, and um, but a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to try to figure out a problem, go and t- talk it over with the Anne Americas and listen to her wisdom. Mm. Yeah, and, and African-American families in particular, you always have that person. When you have that problem, you know, you go to that person. If you have this problem, you go to this person. That's true. So that's amazing. So I also want to um, go back a little bit because you said something very important about, I thought of culture, the culture of working at Seaview. You felt like it was a family. Oh, yes, it was. When I moved into the nurse's residence, they all looked over, looked, looked out for me. If they were cooking dinner, they'd ask if I wanted some. And just knowing that you were, I felt protected here. Mm. For want of a better word, I felt safe. Even though it is a big building, it was warm and, and you knew everybody on every floor. Yeah. I think that's important because in today's nursing world, a lot of nurses don't feel safe. They don't feel protected. They don't feel like they have a good culture. And it's leading to the whole shortage of nurses. It, it, but I, I just love that, you know, so long ago in your career that you felt that way. Yes, I did. And it's a shame that we're still having the same shortage of nurses that we had many years ago. And I was able to get my license through the Department of Hospitals, City of New York, because of shortage of nurses, Mm. because I came here to work as a nurse's aide. Mm. And they had a program set up on Welfare Island for 18 months, it was a, a work-study program. So you figure I was really, even though it was 18 months, it was like two years because I, the course of study was so intense. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated, I graduated as a licensed practical nurse, which was very much in demand at that time. And especially here at Seaview, to cover all of these wards, Mm -hmm. there were eight pavilions here. And each and every one of them was filled with patients and the children's building. Mm -hmm. And um, in the children's building was the surgical unit on the fifth floor. And my aunt worked as a recovery nurse Mm -hmm. on the fifth floor. Now, this is a very special time for me in particular because I'm sitting here with the last Black Angel. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Black Angel and why that's so significant? It's significant because the patients named the nurses who worked here as their angels. 
And the majority of the nurses here, 98%, and maybe 99%, were African American. There were very few Caucasian nurses working here. And if they were, they were working in management. So that is why it's very important and it is significant that we were called the Black Angels. Can you tell me a time about your, a patient you took care of here at Seaview and the tuberculosis unit? Well, there were many. But there was one in particular, and I, whenever anyone asks me that question, I think of Willie. Mm. Willie was about seven to nine years old, I'm not sure, at this particular point. But he had a way of getting your attention. He would drop toys on the floor, but he would call you over. Nurse, nurse, he was, and he had such a, a lovely personality. He was very, very mischievous, but he was cute. One of those kids that you know knows how to get your, <laughs> yes, tug on your, your heartstrings. And he was in a cast, a body cast from the top of his chest down to his legs because he had a spinal condition and they were trying to correct it without surgery. But he was really memorable. Mm. I'll never forget Willie. Mm, that's amazing. And can you tell me a little bit about the Black Angels who you worked with? Miss Noble comes to mind. Well, many, many. Miss Noble was my, um, Irene Noble was my charge nurse. And she was very stern. I think that nurses pretty much are stern. We have that kind of uh, seriousness about what we're doing that you don't, you can't be, um, you have to be serious. I learned a lot from Miss Noble, but she was a very stern person, but very nice. I learned a lot. And she was just great with kids. Mm -hmm. I was a kid too. I yeah. was 16. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true because as a nurse, I mean, we're dealing with people's lives. So it is a, a serious matter, even though we could be very sweet. Um, and it makes me think of uh, my husband who always say, you're so serious all the time. I'm like, well, I think it's part of our, our, our makeup, right? It's like, yeah, I think <laughs> so too. People tell me the same thing. Yes. yes. And, and I think it's such an honor that, you know, in the beginning you were saying you would work in the tuberculosis clinic and then you would go party in Manhattan. <laughs> yes. Um, thinking, it, thinking about it in retrospect, 
because like now you think about someone with tuberculosis, it, it's a little scary. Did you ever have a moment where you were frightened or maybe I shouldn't be here? Maybe I should do something else. Have you, did you ever think that? No, I didn't. I had no fear. And when you're young like that, you don't have a fear. Only when I went to nursing school and studied all of these diseases mm -hmm. did I finally wake up, really wake up. Although we had a very good orientation. When I came here, orientation wasn't just a week or a month. You were in orientation for nearly three months because you had to learn how to do everything for the patient. Well, you were a greenhorn, mm. so you had to learn everything. And it was a very in-depth learning experience. And it served me well when I went to nursing school because I knew so much mm -hmm. more than the average person. But this um, getting back to Central School, Central School was set up for the city hospitals um, staff who wanted to go into nursing, but we had to pass a test in order to do so. And thank goodness I passed my boards with flying colors. And um, it was an opportunity to move up the ladder on your job, which you don't always, in some instances, you have that opportunity, but not always. So I took that opportunity. And I have worked in personnel as the personnel training director mm -hmm. at Brooklyn Jewish Hospital and um, other jobs that one would not even dream, I didn't even dream of working for the union as a union representative wow. for 1199, wow. which is a very powerful union. Oh, yeah. It was powerful then but even more so now. So I've had many opportunities and I've accepted those challenges, which they were, and I've enjoyed them. I like a challenge. Yes. And that's why I worked in the operating room. Working in the operating room is not easy. Mm. It, But I loved it. Because every day was a challenge, especially when you were working on a difficult case. Yeah. And that's, a, that's the beauty of nursing. It's so diverse. You can do so much. Even, you know, in your time as a nurse, it was diverse, just like it is now. That is true. I tell everyone, be a nurse because you can do anything, right, as a nurse. <laughs> that is true. You can work in many different uh, disciplines. Yes, yes. So in your time now, interacting with nurses nowadays, what are your thoughts on the nursing profession? I think we've come a long way. Um, and I'm glad that we have. 
because it has given women and men the opportunity to rise to their highest level mm -hmm. and be able to function at that level and give the best of care to our patients. We have nurses working as nurse practitioners, which I think is wonderful where the doctor would come and stand in the doorway and ask you two or three questions and on the way out, out the door, maybe answer or, or think to an, answer your question. The nurse practitioner is there to explain what your illness is mm -hmm. and how, what the course of, of your treatment is going to be. Not diminishing the the regular RN, but I'm just happy to see that we have risen in the ranks and continuing to do so. Nurses are now teaching, wherein years ago, it was just one person, usually a doctor, a Caucasian doctor, teaching. But now I'm very proud to say I'm looking at myself mm. when I look at some of the professors. It's nice to be able to see your race. Yeah. Rep representation is so important. It is. It's so, especially for up and coming nurses, because I mean, we're still the minority in nursing, Black nurses, still not a lot of really? us. It's still not a lot of us. Um, it's more Caucasian in, in the profession. So still not a lot of Black nurses. And that's one of the reasons we, we don't have representation in schools of nursing. So it's important that you have a Black professor teaching your class. Um, it, it really means a lot. And, and it helps push people along that it is possible. It is, and I'm very happy. This year, I met an organization that I'm in love with, the DNP of, of color. Mm -hmm. All of those nurses have their doctorates, and they are representing us in the institutions, which is wonderful. I was in the hospital last week. I tend to agree with you. I did not see one black nurse the whole time I was in the hospital. 24 hours. Mm. Yeah, that's very common. I didn't realize that. Yes, it, it's very common. Um, even myself being a nurse going into the hospitals, I look at that my mom was hospitalized a couple of months ago and I can't remember one black nurse who took care of her. And that's very, to me, it's unusual because of all of the nursing I had, types of nursing I've done. Yeah, and, and you know, with COVID too, a lot of nurses left the bedside. So that's also impacting uh, representation of Black nurses at the bedside as well. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Similar to the walkout of the 
Caucasian nurses here at Seaview. Oh, talk to me about that. Well, I wasn't here then. I only know of the history. They did not want to risk their health working for, working with tuberculosis patients. And most of the patients who came here were very, very sick. Mm. I was not in touch, in, in contact with them because I was working with children. But when I was on the um, going to school, the work program, I did work on the wards occasionally when I came back because we went to school half a day and we worked the half a day. And it was a um, very gruesome uh, schedule. Mm. And I'm surprised that they had that kind of schedule for young, young people going all the way to Welfare Island, coming back to Seaview, and having a full schedule of patients to take care of until 11 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. It really was. And I'm fortunate to be sitting here across from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would love for you to talk about, because um, you keep mentioning here, we are at Seaview right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I would love, it's, it's like full circle. I would love for you to talk about that. <laughs> well, in 2000, 2008, they finished renovating the nurses' residence for senior citizens. And I lived here when I was working here meaning Seaview Hospital and Home. Seaview uh, is one of the largest institutions that was built to take care of patients with tuberculosis. And um, I think I was fortunate to work here. And after the cure, in 1950, in the 50s, the patients were going home and taking their medication at home. So they didn't need to be hospitalized. So therefore, the buildings were emptying out of patients and Seaview was closing down. So the nurse's resident was being used as offices. But this is over the years. And um, four pavilions were taken down. And a nursing home was put up because they needed to give more care to people who were aging. Not tuberculosis, all kinds of diseases. And I have to mention one of my dear friends, Jane Lyons. Jane was the executive director of all of Seaview. And Jane was over all of Seaview, all of the employees who worked here. When they put up the Robichek Center, the building was named for Dr. Robichek, 
the doctor who founded the cure for tuberculosis. But the nurses were never mentioned. Mm. The nurses carried out the trials. They're the ones who actually did all of the work for him to get the credit that he got. And I am very happy to know that the nurses who worked here all of those years are finally getting a little recognition by the Black Angels being mentioned in several publications. And as you're here interviewing me, and I'm happy that I'm able to do so, and that I'm capable of remembering some of mm -hmm. what has transpired. Yeah, it's amazing. So now the nurses are getting recognition. Yeah, and for me, it's, it's a pleasure and honor uh, to look into your eyes and be sitting here right next to you. Thank um, you. I'm just so honored I can like tear up. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, I'm happy that I was able to work here from 1947 in 1957. Yeah. And that was during the time that they founded the cure. Yeah, I love that. And that I am listed among those very, very dedicated and worthy nurses. Absolutely. We're here during that time. Yeah, and it's full circle. You're here right now at this very moment. We're sitting at CV right now. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, the last thing I want to ask you is when COVID-19 hit, did it remind you of the time of tuberculosis? What were your thoughts about that pandemic? It was a replication of it. And I'm glad that they started treating the patients as quickly as they could to save as many lives as possible. And the vaccine, a lot of people were anxious about the vaccine, but vaccines are being worked on as we're speaking. Mm -hmm. There's never a lull in the time that they are working on some cure for something, and they were able to get the vaccine uh, out and into people's bodies quickly enough to save many lives, including my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was happy to take the vaccine. Yeah, that's amazing. That's mm -hmm. amazing. And I do want to end um, on your book that will be coming out. Ah, yes. I have decided since there is so much interest in the Black Angels, I might as well tell my own story. Mm. Uh, the book that Maria Smalios wrote is very much in detail. She did a very good job of writing it. But I decided I could tell my own story. So hopefully in the very near future, my own book will be published probably self-publish. I love that. And I'm sure the world can't wait to hear your story from your mouth. 
Thank you so much. Yeah. So thank you thank so you. much for your time. And um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime. <laughs> I hope so. Wendy, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you for traveling so far to come and interview me. Yes. Absolutely. And I hope I have shared with you some of my life. Oh, yes. This, this was beautiful. Sitting right there behind you is uh, the award I received from the DNPs. This award I received, I think it was October 18th. Check the date when you've got good young eyes. Yes, it just says 2023. That was at yes. the conference. Correct? It was. I, I tell you, I'm still on cloud nine. How was that experience for you? Tell me about the being on that cloud nine, being at that conference. I'm speechless. Mm. Being at the conference and seeing so many black nurses mm. in one space. <laughs> At one time, our accomplished women in many different fields, mm -hmm. pediatric surgery, professor. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It was. Wow. And to, to receive this award was confirming and affirming the Black nurses. Who worked here at Seaview, who were the Black Angels. Thank you so much. I want to say for your service and really setting the path for us, us DNPs of color and Black nurses. Yes. Current and future. Thank you so much for your gift of Mary Eliza Mahoney. My award. I, that I showed you was from the, its name, the Mary Eliza Mahoney Award. She was the first registered nurse of color. Yeah. And that award has been renamed Virginia Allen slash Mary Eliza Mahoney. Wow. It was done so at the convention that is amazing what an honor it i can't express to you how honored i feel mm. it's really special yeah that i will be remembered on a scholarship in the future for a young nurse wow that's amazing that's legacy it is. It is. And I received a communication from the Black Nurses Association in Baltimore that they, too, are naming a scholarship for me and one for the Black Angels. Oh, I love that. I, if, if I could just go back in time and show this to all of those over 300 nurses who worked here without any recognition when Dr. Robichek was being honored here, there, and everywhere, all over the world. I hope they're looking down over us now and realizing 
that their work was not in vain. And now is their time. Your time yes. is now. Yes. And it will live on forever through all of us. Yes. And all the nurses coming up because we'll right. let them know. Yes, so, that should be the history. Absolutely. And not hidden. No, not at all. This is foundational. And this is one of the reasons why we're doing this interview so this can live on and people can hear the story. Yes. Understand that um, we didn't set this path for ourselves. No. So I'm, I'm just grateful and so thankful for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wendy. You're welcome. And before we wrap up, is there anything you would like to say? I would like to just mention that the scholarships that we are raising now and all of the scholarships to come, I would like to see young Black men and women take advantage of them and become nurses so that um, we won't have a shortage of nurses. There is no reason why we should have shortage. I think there are young people who just don't have the money to go to school. They don't have the means. So we should help them. Absolutely. Totally agree. Not yes. let that be a, a barrier. Right. Yeah, I love that. So you heard it here. More Black men and women can really help bridge that gap. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be here with you. And thank you for thinking of me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.